let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, again, we ask your blessing. We ask your Spirit's presence. We pray that you would give us discernment so that we can see the difference between good and bad and even good and better and all those things. But with discernment, we also ask that you would give us understanding and charitability that we would not be quick to judge and condemn others who may see or may have done other than we would wish. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Any historian who is not charitable should look for a new job. Okay. Title is The United Work or The Worst Evil. Is this, uh, do we have anything in the way here? We're not using this microphone. Does that work for everyone? Okay. <clears throat> we have a warning here from Ellen White. She says, When the gospel ministers and the medical missionary workers are not united, there is placed on our churches the worst evil that can be placed there. Wow. That's kind of an interesting statement. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head, but maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll see that. But anyhow, okay. Now, I would never say that the gospel ministers and the healthcare workers I've had the privilege of knowing were completely separated. Neither do I believe we've managed to blend these elements the way God wants us to. As a result, over the last century, we have largely developed along two lines. Preaching and state-of-the-art technical medicine. We've already looked in, in a different presentation, which you haven't just heard, but that's okay. We've already looked at the Lord's call for an evangelistic focus on simple methods and common ailments as evangelistic tools. But what about our preaching? Okay. Now, notice a couple of things here, and, and just keep these in mind as we go through. I think we'll deal with this a little bit later on. When these are not united, where does the worst evil land? On the churches. Doesn't say anything happens to the doctors. The worst evil lands on the churches. It's interesting. Okay. Well, it's... Read a little bit about the ideal, okay? The truth for this time embraces the whole gospel. Rightly presented, it will work in man the very changes that will make evident the power of God's grace upon the heart. It will do a complete work and develop a complete man. Then let no line be drawn between the genuine medical missionary work and the gospel ministry. Let these two blend in giving the invitation come, for all things are now ready. Let them be joined in an inseparable union, even as the arm is joined to the body. Okay, so that's the ideal. And the reality. Sometimes not exactly the same as the ideal. I have been shown that in our labor for the enlightenment of the people in the large cities, the work has not been as well organized or the methods of labor as efficient as in other churches that have not the great light we regard as so essential. She's saying other denominations do a better job in their city work. Okay. Why is this? 
because so many of our laborers have been those who love to preach. And many who were not thoroughly qualified to preach were set at work. And a large share of the labor has been put forth in preaching. So what's wrong with preaching? Nothing. If it's a part of the whole package of preaching, teaching, and healing. But all by itself, preaching? Maybe it's not as good as God would like it to be when it's all by itself. After all, Jesus spent more time healing than he did preaching. But does that make it the worst evil? How? Why? Ellen White is cautious with her use of superlatives. Right? Any grammarians here? Anybody know what a superlative is? It's something that pushes it to the limit, okay? Worst. What's worse than the worst? Nothing. You know? We could come up with something like the worsterist if you wanted, but that sounds silly. You know? <laughs> There's nothing worse than the worst. Okay? So what is she talking about? Could the problem be that preaching by itself, separated from the medical work, looks so much like doing something that will result in finishing God's work? when in fact that approach will never finish the God's work because it will never provide the full demonstration of God's love that is needed. Okay? The world will be convinced not so much by what the pulpit teaches as by what the church lives. The preacher announces the theory of the gospel, but the practical piety of the church demonstrates its power. Okay? an interesting statement. Doors that have been closed to him, who merely preaches the gospel, will be opened to the intelligent medical missionary. God reaches hearts through the relief of physical suffering. You know, one place she says, I, I've gotten letters from doctors saying, do you think it would be God's will for me to quit practicing medicine and join the ministry? And she wrote back and she said, you are qualified to do 10 times as much good work by combining the medical with the ministerial element. Don't drop medicine, but combine it. Combine it ideally in your own life. I'm putting my words in this here, so you know, it's not a thus saith the Lord right now. I think she says the same thing in different places, but I'm, it's just me talking. You know. it's, it's a nice thing when we have a doctor and minister who stand up on a stage together. <laughs> but combine it in, in our own individual life and work, I think is perhaps the ideal. That's the way Jesus did it. He didn't have a sidekick that traveled around with him, you know. Had this one on the screen yesterday. The union of Christ-like work for the body and Christ-like work for the soul is the true interpretation of the gospel. The Right, uh, right there. What part of speech is the? It's an article. It is specifically the definite article. You could have said is a true interpretation of the gospel, which means that there might be more than one. But when you say the true interpretation of the gospel, 
It means there's one. The gospel ministry is needed. Okay? Sometimes people, you know, hear me talk like this and they think, well, oh, the guy doesn't like preachers. <laughs> no, we need preachers. We need the gospel ministry. It's needed to give permanence and stability to the medical missionary work. And the ministry needs the medical missionary work to demonstrate the practical working of the gospel. Neither part of the work is complete without the other. Okay? So if you're a minister, find a medical missionary or become one. If you're a doctor, find a minister or become one. <laughs> okay? The medical missionary work is not to be carried forward as something apart from the work of the gospel ministry. The Lord's work, excuse me, the Lord's people are to be one. There is to be no separation in his work. The education of students in medical missionary lines is not complete unless they are trained to work in connection with the church and the ministry. Hmm. You don't want your medical missionaries charging off independent of the church. Without going deeply into that particular topic, it's not really, originally, wasn't really God's ideal will for doctors to go into private practice. It was looked upon as something of a hmm, concession to the world when that began to come in. Well, going ahead. Those who wait for the bridegroom's coming are to say to the people, Behold your God. The last rays of merciful light, the last message of mercy to be given to the world, is a revelation of his character of love. The children of God are to manifest his glory in their own life and character. They are to reveal what the grace of God has done for them. You know, I've come to see huge importance in that statement. I'm, I've known the statement for a long time, but it just has taken on much more significance to my mind in, in recent uh, months and years. The last rays of merciful light. What would we call the last rays of merciful light from our Adventist theological, eschatological point of view? It's a loud cry. A loud cry. The last message of mercy. It's a loud cry. This is at the very end of time. This is the, the time when the message is finally whole, complete, and, and capable of bringing on the end. You know, the gospel needs to go to all the world not only quantitatively, but qualitatively. The way I illustrate that is I say, you know, if we could arrange for Pope Benedict the whatever number, 16? Boy, an awful lot of guys would chain, claim that name. Benedict, give me a break. You know what it means? You know, good words, right? Benediction, right? Okay, you know. Ah, uh, <laughs> oh, the Pope who gives good words. Okay, I should quit mocking. Anyhow, um, if we could arrange for Pope Benedict to preach 
an evangelistic series and do the, the net 2012 thing with Pope Benedict and somehow make sure that everybody on earth heard the gospel. Would Jesus come? From Pope Benedict? I'm not thinking so. <laughs> There's a quality to the presentation, not just a quantity issue, okay? So, you know, you can get a little closer to home with that. Yeah, what about all the Protestant guys? Can't think of who's, who the big guys there are now. Joel Austin, I think, is one fairly big name in that department. Uh, who else is big Protestant preachers these days? I mean, Luth Rick Warren? Yeah, I'm thinking of Luther Warren. He was an Adventist. That's okay. Uh, Rick Warren. Yeah, I, I'm not that familiar with some of these guys. Anyhow. Um, you know, if they preached the gospel and everybody on earth watched it, would that bring the second coming? You know? And at the risk of getting you know, unduly personal, what about Doug Batchelor or Mark Finley or David Asherick or Dave Fiedler? You know, my name doesn't really belong in that list, but you get the point. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, there's a quality to the gospel that needs to be presented. And that's part of it in my understanding at this point. You know, I, I wouldn't have seen that years ago. The quality of the gospel is that it's not merely preached. It's lived. Well, let's see. Where am I? No wonder we're supposed to work the way Jesus did, right? We're supposed to reveal his character. Where is that? Uh, manifest his glory, uh, revelation of his character. How do you reveal character? You live the same way. You know? It's like, kind of seems obvious to me now. I didn't think of it that way for years. You know? Going on. What needs to be? We need to look at the future of what Ellen White called gospel medical missionary evangelism. Okay? God has given us a commission which angels might envy. I suspect, and I have no thus saith the Lord for this, so put it in the proper category. I suspect if God were to approach Gabriel and say, Gabriel, would you trade places with Dave Fiedler? His response would be, in a heartbeat. Why? Because this planet is the only place in the universe where you can save souls. And human beings have access to unsaved human beings in ways that angels do not. And angels are all about saving souls. Now, we may think we got it tough being here, but we've got, the, we've got the privilege of all eternity, of all the universe, to work here to save souls. No one else gets that privilege. God has given us a commission which angels might envy. If they were given to being envious, they would. <laughs> but they're not given to being envious, so I don't think they do. That's why she put it in the uh, subjunctive mood there. Okay. Um, what did I just do? 
Okay. The church has been charged to convey to the world without delay God's saving mercy. This is the truth, excuse me, this is the trust that he has given to us. And it is to be faithfully executed. Medical missionary work is to be done. Thousands upon thousands of human beings are perishing in sin. The compassion of God is moved. All heaven is looking on with intense interest to see what character medical missionary work will assume under supervision of human beings. They already saw how medical missionary work played out when Jesus was running the program. But now he left it to our supervision. And so they're watching. <laughs> oh, I wonder how these guys are looking. It's under new management now. <laughs> you ever see a you know, store under new management? You say, oh, wow, they must be changing things. I wonder what the changes will be. All heaven is looking on with intense interest to see what character medical missionary work will assume under supervision of human beings. Will men make merchandise of God's ordained plan for reaching the dark parts of the earth with the manifestation of his benevolence? Will they cover mercy with selfishness and then call it medical missionary work? I hate to say it, but I fear that's been done sometimes. You know, one of the interesting little quirks of Adventist history is that back in about 1909 through 1912, someplace in that era, I forget exactly when it was, when all the considerations were being done as to what exactly the program at Loma Linda should be at the medical school, how it should be structured and what affiliations should be had and all that sort of thing, John Burden wrote an incredibly prescient analysis. And he said, if we follow the regular schools, by which he meant the AMA. Now, that's, I'll take a brief aside on this. That was a, a, a huge marketing stunt pulled off by the AMA, okay? They, they introduced the phrasing, and they got it commonly accepted in the public, to, that the word regular medicine was the AMA. All other forms were irregular, <laughs> okay? Regular medicine, okay? And, and, and that was just the common usage, the regular school. Yeah, well, what, what medical school do you, I went to the regular school. Oh, okay, now I know, yeah, that meant AMA. The only guys who've done something similar are teachers, right? That's even more audacious. Do you know what you call a teacher course, teacher school? It's called a normal institute. It's like teachers are normal and everybody else is abnormal. I was a teacher for 20 years. I'm here to tell you that's not the truth. <laughs> you know, there's plenty of abnormal teachers. Uh, <laughs> but anyhow, okay. John Burden writing about this, he said we had all these options. Loma Linda could develop this way, or could develop this way, or could develop this way. There are actually four plans on the table at one point. And he's writing this letter, and he's going through plan one, plan two, plan three, plan four. And he says, if we develop along the plan, I forget which number it was in his letter, but the regular lines. He said, it will mean, it will become mercenary and will lead to extravagant charges 
and financial problems. I forget the exact wording. I'm sorry, I'm having to paraphrase there. But it's like he's looking down. I mean, has anybody heard anything about you know, problems with medical costs these days? <laughs> you know? It's like he nailed it. He absolutely, totally nailed it. He put that in contrast to medical missionary work, which he said is sacrificial and evangelistic in warp and woof. Right, the, the two different directions of, of the threads and when you're weave cloth is the warp and the woof, right? He said, medical missionary work is to be sacrificial in warp and woof, as contrasted with the, 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 um, the regular schools, which if carried out according to their plans, he said, would, would inevitably become very money-oriented. Okay, going on. Um, well, I read that one. Christ is waiting with longing desire for the manifestation of himself in his church. When the character of Christ shall be perfectly reproduced in his people, then he will come to claim them as his own. Now that's a great statement. And that's been, you know, had attention drawn to it quite a bit. Most of you are too young to remember the early 70s. That was a hugely divisive statement in the early 70s. Um, the use of that statement led one division to burn all the Sabbath school quarterlies that were delivered to them. Okay? Um, that was not a popular thing in certain circles within the Adventist church in the, in the mid-70s, I should say, probably. Um, if you're really curious about it you want to look it up, it was the spring quarter of 1977. A little later than I was thinking. Yeah, spring quarter of 1977, Sabbath school quarterly written by Herb Douglas, and, um, and um, mm -hmm. somebody else, I can't think of the other guy right now. Anyhow, wasn't well received in some circles, largely because of that statement and the, the, the attention that they drew to it and the, the application that they made of it. Okay? But now look at the statement. He's waiting with long desire for the manifestation of himself in his church when the character is perfectly reproduced. You know, we sometimes look at those statements and we think, oh, if only, buddy, if only we could get everybody to stop eating hamburger, then the character of Jesus would be perfectly reproduced. Well, maybe, maybe not. You know? But we look at it as getting rid of sin, which is a good idea. I'm all in favor of getting rid of sin. But getting rid of sin doesn't necessarily manifest the character of Christ. There's an old song, it's written in, it, it, it's in the book Christ in Song, best hymnal Adventist church has ever produced, in my estimation. Um, trying to remember the title of the song. Um, give me a while, I may come up with it. It was written by Effie Belden, Ellen White's nephew who left the church. Sad issue there, but you know. One of the verses I really like says, To save a dying world is all their thought and care, for love is more than self-denying. Yeah. You can deny yourself to death and be as clanging brass and, or sounding brass and clanging cymbals. You know. To manifest the character of Christ has got to have a proactive, aggressive, I'm out there. I'm doing this thing. Just what Jesus did. He didn't sit at home much, given the fact that he didn't have a home. <laughs> okay. 
Put that statement together with this one. The completeness of Christian character is attained when the impulse to help and bless others springs constantly from within. There it is. That's medical missionary work. You know? Sometimes we are tempted to help and bless others who are responding positively to our spiritual message. This guy has an interest in the Sabbath, so let's help him. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad. You know, he should be helped. How many lepers did Jesus heal? And how many came back to say thank you? Remember that story? There's a place for just helping people because they're people and they need help. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, don't get me wrong. There's, there's intelligence involved in this too. You could, you know, I, I think I said it was in the last meeting, you know, if you simply gave away free food to everybody that, you know, acted like they were hungry, you would go broke quickly, okay? <laughs> um, so there's intelligence, there's balances on everything, but that's good, worthy poor, you know, but, but still, you know, people deserve help because they're people, you know? I mean, the guy lying beside the road to Jericho I don't know how much the Samaritan really knew about him, right? You kind of get the impression he was sort of incommunicado at that point, you know? He probably wasn't talking a lot, you know? The Samaritan just picked him up and put him on the donkey anyhow. You know, sometimes there's a place for that. Okay, let's go on. There is no change in the messages that God has sent in the past. The work in the cities is the essential work for this time. When the cities are worked as God would have them, the result will be the setting and operation of a mighty movement such as we have not yet witnessed. And I put that in there because medical missionary work is especially singled out as the tool for reaching our large cities. Okay? This is my life and passion. Six days a week, 14 hours a day. This is all I do at this point is city mission work. Okay? <laughs> Uh, it's a little insane sometimes. I'm not promoting that schedule. It's just the one that falls my lot at the moment. <laughs> um, we've got to get our medical missionary work as a proper package, okay? That is especially important in the cities, okay? All aspects need to come together. The canvassers, the Bible workers, the pastors, the specified evangelists, you know, the, the, the health professionals, the restaurants, the uh, lifestyle centers outside the city. All those things need to come together. Yes, we need attorneys. I'm speaking from experience. Yes, we need attorneys. <laughs> Trust me, I, yeah. We won't go there, but yes. <laughs> Take a guy who's been a teacher all his life and try him to get him to run a, run a business and you find out you need attorneys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but when we get it right, actually, when God finally gets it right, working through us or when we quit obstructing God's process of getting it right, however you want to put that. I don't think we're going to be in any, any great position to take a lot of claim to fame when we get it right, okay? But when it finally gets done right, it will set an operation of move, mighty movements such as we've not yet witnessed. In context, that is nothing but the loud cry again, okay? Here are my conclusions on the matter. 
Oops, I'm sorry, one more, one more before the conclusions. This is a wonderful promise. We shall see the medical missionary work broadening and deepening at every point of its progress because of the inflowing of hundreds and thousands of streams until the whole earth is covered as the waters cover the sea. That's what medical mission work is going to do. It's going to happen. It has to happen. It has to happen. Notice what it says. The whole earth is covered as the waters cover the sea. That's quoting from, what, two of the Old Testament prophets. I'm trying to remember which ones. Jeremiah and one of the minor prophets. I forget. Habakkuk, I think. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I may be off on that one. The whole earth is covered as the waters cover the sea. That's the glory of the Lord. Covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. Medical missionary work properly done is the revealing of the character of God, which is the glory of the Lord. It will happen. If it doesn't happen, and I don't believe it won't, but if it didn't happen, the great controversy would never end. That's my opinion. Okay, so here are my conclusions. This is also not a thus saith the Lord. At least not with these words. Take them or leave them. <laughs> okay? <laughs> it's your call. Proclamation is the explanation of the demonstration. Just follow that through. And secondly, proclamation without demonstration is actually misinformation and ultimately the worst evil that can be placed on our churches. Take it or leave it. It's my opinion. And we'll end with that. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we thank you for every step of our history. And though there are missteps along that trail, we are thankful that you have been our guide and our leader and that you have been patient and that we still have the opportunity to do as you would have us to. We pray for special enlightenment. Lord, it's, it's not easy. It's not, not always clear to know how to take uh, counsels from 100 years ago or an example even from 2,000 years ago and know how to play it out in the United States in 2011. What does that mean? How do we do it? Father, we need wisdom. We need your interposition, your intervention. We just pray that this promise, that the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea, will be fulfilled. The medical missionary work will rise to what it is intended to be, that as the prophet has said, there will be no ministry but medical missionary work. Help us to understand, help us to learn, help us to put into practice, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.